All right, if you have your Bibles, Psalms 85, and, and I'm not going to read the whole psalm. I'm so used to standing with a translator, and so this, I kind of feel weird, amen. Uh, but, uh, but I'm just going to read one verse uh, this morning, um, and that's verse 6, and I'll try to give you a little bit of the backdrop of the psalm, and then we'll get right into the preaching time. Heavenly Father, I pray now that you'd bless as we read this passage. I pray that you'd bless, Lord, as we preach thy word this morning. Work in our hearts. Lord, continue to work in my heart as you have in relation to this very subject we're preaching about this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible said in Psalm 85, verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people, that you and I that are saved, may rejoice in thee? The psalmist is asking a question. He's, he's praying to God. He's sincere. He's serious. And he's saying, Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? And if we went and looked at the history of this psalm, and of course, if you read after the commentators, a lot of times there's disagreement amongst good men, uh, even concerning situations that took place around the writing of these psalms. But, but, but I believe... Uh, based on the studying that I've done and based on the context of the psalm, that uh, the, uh, the children of Israel, they've come out of captivity. Uh, God has blessed them. In verse number one, he says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. And he's speaking there of the nation of Israel when he says, Jacob, thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people and thou hast covered all their sin. And so he's looking back at a time when Israel had sinned, they had undergone the chastising hand of God, and then God had delivered them out of captivity and brought them back into the land. They had had a great spiritual decline in their history as they had rebelled against God, but God, in His mercy, because that's who God is, amen? He's rich in mercy. And so God, because of His mercy, uh, and because of his promises to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob and to Moses and many others, God had brought them back into their land. But as we come into verse number four, uh, it's, it's like an instantaneous change as the psalmist is praying. He's praising God for bringing them out of captivity and bringing them back into the land. But in verse four, he says, turn us, O God. And, and if you studied this whole psalm five times, that word turn is used. The psalmist is almost infatuated with that word turn. But he sees the people of God and how they've been brought back out of captivity and that how God has restored their land, but he still sees in their hearts a spiritual decline. He does not see in their heart a spiritual fervor and a fervency for God. Certainly when they came out of captivity, they said, we were like them that dream. Then was our heart filled with laughter, our tongue with singing. And, and they talked about the goodness of God. But that time has passed and they're back in the land. And they're going through some struggles as they're trying to rebuild a city and rebuild a wall and rebuild a temple. And, and there's a spiritual decline that has already taken place. And can I tell you to the church this morning, that's so easy for all of us, including the man that's standing right here, it's so easy to get into a spiritual decline. It's easy to be saved by the grace of God. We already heard this morning as Pastor talked about that little book, amen. The difference between religion, you know, false religion and true religion is the word D-O and the word D-O-N-E. 
Ours is done. Amen. Our salvation is accomplished in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We're saved. And getting saved, I, I, you know, outside of re repenting of my sin, in other words, being sorry for my sin and willing to turn my life over to Jesus Christ and trust Him as my Lord and Savior, I mean, there's no work I did in salvation. It's pretty easy. Amen. Salvation is so simple that a four-year-old could understand it and get saved by the grace of God. Amen. But it's easy to get saved. And boy, you get saved and you have that first love and that fervency and that, I mean, you're on fire for God. Amen. And you want to tell everybody how to get saved. And, and then some of us, the longer we're saved, seems like we, we start to grow cold on God. And some of us have had periods in our life where we grew very cold on the Lord. Amen. And, and, and even some of us started to rebel against the Lord knowingly as we backslid on God and then God brings us through a period of chastisement. I'm, I'm certain I'm not the only person in the room like that. Amen. Went through a spiritual decline and then through a period of chastisement and then God in his mercy after chastising us, it yields that peaceable fruit of righteousness and God brings us back into the land so to speak and our captivity has been turned and man there we are on fire for God. Amen. But Christianity is not just a one-time experience of getting saved or uh, another experience of getting right with God. There's that everyday Christian living. Amen. Yeah. Getting up, reading your Bible, praying, and going off to work, doing a good job for your employer, hopefully being a good witness for the Lord Jesus Christ on the job. Amen. Coming home to your family, hoping being a good example and a testimony to your family faithful to church, faithful to the things of God, but it's easy in that whole process for our hearts. We don't mean for it to happen. We, we didn't plan for it to happen, but our hearts can start getting a little cold on the Lord. Our ears can start to become dull of hearing, and we're not as sensitive to the Spirit of God as we once were, and that's what the psalmist sees, the condition of his people. And he says, Lord, turn us. The psalmist is old enough to remember the history. He sees what God's brought him from. He sees what God has brought him through, the captivity. And now they've been brought from that. And, but he sees that generation and their hearts aren't on fire. Can I tell you, you're going one way or the other in your Christian life. Amen. You're either firing up for God or you're starting to decline on God. There's, there's no middle ground for Christians where we just kind of coast. We're going this way, climbing on that upward way. We're getting nearer to God or we're getting farther away from the Lord. And so the nation was declining spiritually in the psalmist. He prays out to God in verse 6. He says, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. So I want to preach on that theme this morning, revive us again. I want to preach that to Eastside Baptist Church. Revive us again. The word revived, it means to live. It means recovering people from sometimes a near state or a state of death. We're, we're reviving. A person's not breathing. And the paramedics, they go to him and they do the mouth-to-mouth -mouth recitation. They do what they have to do and they revive him because he is just about dead. The image here is that, and we can, we can man, I mean, this uh, I can't think of the English word for it, but, but, but this works for us uh, here in South Dakota. Uh, the, the, the image is that of returning spring after the death of a long winter. And we have long winters here. I tell people in Africa, they're like, oh, please bring me to America. Bring me to America. 
I'm like, you don't want to live where I lived in America. Oh, yes, we do. We want to go to America. I said, man, listen, five months out of the year, you can step into a freezer, and it's warmer in the freezer than it is outside. And they're like, oh, no, you're joking, Pastor. That's Sappho. That is not true. That is not true. I'm, like, I'm telling you the truth. Amen. I'm telling you. I, I, I may not like the extremely hot temperatures now, but I like them better than the 49 below. Amen. All right. But the image of revival is a returning spring after a long winter. The image of that spring after a long and dreary winter is one also which properly describes the condition of the church when under the influence of the Spirit of God that have been long withheld and under the visitations of grace, religion seems to live again among God's people. That's what one commentator uh, said, and I thought that's pretty good. So as I stand here at Eastside Baptist Church, I want to say this, and I'm, what I'm saying, I'm not just saying this because I'm one of you, and I'm not just saying this because I'm a member of the church, and I'm not trying to say this so I can somehow score brownie points with the pastor. Amen. I believe Eastside is in a little bit of a revival. Amen. If you look at where our church was eight, nine, ten years ago, and you look at where our church is today, I believe that we're moving in the right direction as a church. I believe that with all of my heart. I do. I see a general um, uh, increase, a, a, a greater desire when I come, and it's easy to say this when you haven't been here for six months or a year, when you step in from, uh, you know, in and then out and then back in again six months later, you don't see it. But we step in and we see, and it's like there's more, there's more passion in the singing than there was when I was here last time. Man, I come out to a breakfast this morning, and there was a good crowd of men here at 745 in the morning. Amen. For, for Not just for breakfast, I believe. I really believe they were here to pray and to have a devotion together. I believe that. Amen. And as I talked to some of the men around the church here, just a little bit I've been in, I can't tell you how many of our conversations have went right away to the things of God. And we don't have to talk about that. You come and talk about deer hunting. I'll talk about it with you. Amen. I'll talk about how much I miss it. Amen. And I can't wait till this fall. I'm going to be back and do it again. But I mean, it goes from that to the things of God and how's the ministry. And, and I'm listening and watching and I see somewhat of a revival that's taking place in my home church and that excites my heart. But I don't want to be that man that says, well, here we are. We're, we're in that process of revival. We're moving in the right direction. So let's quit praying for more. Or let's quit just, let's just kind of get comfortable where we are. Amen. Let's Keep pressing on the upward way, amen. So as I preach about revival and I preach these points, uh, please understand as I preach these points that, that, that these are facts, what I'm saying, but I believe our church is moving in the right direction and I want to see that continue to happen for the glory of God right here in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The psalmist, he cried out in Psalm 63 and I want to ask some questions. I'm asking myself these questions this is not the kind of a message where I point out at you and say, I'm asking you, I'm asking myself, I'm asking us these questions as a church together. The psalmist said in Psalm 63, verse 1 and 2, Oh God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Can I ask you, is your flesh longing? Are you thirsting for God? Not just the blessings of God. Are you thirsty for God? Are you, are we, am I, James Rubin, hungry for God? Not just hungry for his monetary blessings or his physical blessings or his family blessings, but hungry for him, hungry for holiness, hungry for mercy, Hungry for love because that's who he is. Am I hungry 
for God? Am I thirsty for God? How's our appetite this morning? Uh, Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And I've heard that quoted already this morning. Amen. Uh, Brother Bobby at the breakfast table. Uh, man, he was joking one minute and talking spiritual the next. I was laughing and then I was saying, oh me, amen. As he talked this morning, but are you hungry for God? Without me, you can do nothing, Jesus Christ said. And, 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 and I believe this. If we'll continue to, 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 as a church, be calling out for God and praying together and ministering together and laboring together, amen, uh, in this thing of serving God, I really believe that we're going to see God continue to transform this church into the glorious church he'd have us to be. I believe if we continue the direction we are, I just do. You say, well, you're an optimist. I'm not being an optimist. I'm just telling you, if we continue in the direction we're going, amen, there's no reason that we won't see our church grow in every area that we could grow. There, there, there's no reason we won't because God will build his church, amen. And if we'll do it his way, he'll build his church, and he is. And we're, we're watching that take place right here. We're not just having to go back to say, well, back in 1940 you know, or 50, whatever it was, Eastside Baptist Church got, we're watching God work in 2024, amen. Our children get to see him working. Man, I want my grandchildren that's being raised here. Grandchildren, I only got one, but there's more coming, amen, I hope. I'm not making any announcements, amen, but I hope, amen. That's my hint to my children, all right. Keep them coming, amen. I got to watch, got to watch my granddaughter the other day crawl for the first time. I got to be here and watch that. I was pretty proud. I think, though, the last time I was here, I said she didn't have a sin nature. I was wrong. Amen. I realized my son married initially, amen. And that mother's son, no, I'm just kidding, all right. Anyhow. But my grandchildren will be raised in this church. Man, I want them to be able to tell the stories that my grandfather that we just buried this week tells about when he got saved and the church he got in and the revival that God was doing. God's not a God of yesteryear and yesterday. God is the God of today. And he wants to be as real in the lives of our children and our grandchildren as he was in the lives of our grandparents when they got saved by the grace of God. Revival the need for revival in general, it normally implies a spiritual decline. That's why we need revival. That's what's going on here. We need revival. He's saying there's a spiritual decline that's taking place. And I just want to say quickly this morning, when a church is sleeping, I don't believe we're sleeping, but let's not go to sleep. Amen. Because when a church is sleeping, it needs to be revived. Awoke out of sleep. Romans chapter number 15 or 13 verse 11 said that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. If you understand, that's a very obvious statement. I got saved 32 years ago, 33 years ago. My salvation, the second coming of Jesus Christ, is 33 years closer than it was when I got saved by the grace of God. And there's no time to be going to sleep as a church on God. We need to do more, live more, give more, go more, uh, witness more than we ever have for the Lord Jesus Christ. When a church starts to, to, hey, listen, men, ladies, let's not let our church go to sleep. Amen. And then when a church has sin in the camp, and as far as I know, there's no sin that I'm aware of. Amen. Pastor didn't, didn't say, hey, he doesn't have an earpiece in right now saying, preach on this, brother. Preach on that. Amen. All right. But when a church has sin in the camp, it needs reviving. 1 Corinthians 15, 34. Again, the Bible says, awake to righteousness and sin not. There's that word again, awake. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of the truth. I speak this to your shame. Can I say, man, if we're sleeping, man, we're not looking for the second coming. If we're sinning, man, we've lost 
our desire to see souls saved. And we would need reviving if that happened. Amen. And then when a church is savorless. And again, I'm telling you, some of the stuff I'm preaching, I heard being talked about this morning around the table out there. Man, it fired me up. I heard this verse quoted this morning about how that salt, when it's lost to savor, it's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under foot of men. I don't ever want that for my church. I don't ever want that Freeside Baptist Church, your church, our church. Amen. We don't want to become savorless salt. We want people, as pastor preached so wonderfully on Wednesday night, and I'm looking forward to the message tonight, and I'm going to have to go back and listen to last Sunday's because it was on the same uh, lines, but I don't want to be that church that's just like the world or that church that's just like us. He said Wednesday night, I want to stay away from the party. Amen. Our testimony is our savor. Our testimony for Jesus Christ is our savor. It's what causes the world, that savored salt, to be thirsty for the water of life which we can freely offer them. Amen. Amen. And so, listen, revival implies a spiritual decline. Can I ask a few questions this morning? Just, just by way of asking, this isn't accusatory. I'm just asking you, as I asked myself, as I put this message together, have we fallen asleep as a church? Have I as an individual? Am I starting to get lulled into sleep, into comforts, into, into pleasures? And I'm more focused on those kind of things than I am the things of God are we still excited as a church? Does he stop back? Are we still excited? Are we still looking for, hey, listen, if Jesus comes before tonight's message, as much as I want to hear it, I don't think pastor's feelings are going to be hurt. Amen. And I know my feelings aren't going to be hurt. Amen. If Jesus, are we still excited about the second coming? Amen. Yes. I sure am. I hope you are. And then, and then, uh, have, have I lost my savor? Have I lost my savor? Our church can be having a revival and I can be sitting over here by myself not having a revival. Amen. Lost my savor or loud sin in my life. Amen. In my mind or my heart. I'm just asking this morning, is there a spiritual decline in my life? Is there a spiritual decline in our life? Or can we truly sing, I'm pressing on the upward way. New heights I'm gaining every day. Still praying as I'm onward bound. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. We're ready to go to that next level, Lord. We're ready to see Eastside accomplish that next goal that you'd have for us as a church. Amen. And then number two, revival involves self-denial. Revival involves self-denial. The psalmist is praying to God. Just the fact that he's praying to God illustrates self-denial. I don't know about you, but for me, and I've been saved 32 years now, prayer is not the easiest thing to do. It's easy to talk about. It's really easy to preach about. Amen. I love to get up and preach on how you ought to pray. Amen. (laughs) Then when I have to get on my knees and pray, and see how I even said that, I have to get on my knees. We get to get on our knees. Amen. And pray and talk to the God of heaven. But prayer is hard. Revival involves self-denial. Here's a man that is choosing to pray instead of accomplish whatever else he could have accomplished on that day. He is praying to God saying, Lord, I see a spiritual decline around me. Oh God, turn this thing around, oh God. We don't want to go there again. We don't want our church to go back there. We don't want our nation to go back there. God, we want to be on fire for you. God, revive us again. He's praying. Revival involves a spirit of self-denial. He's supplicating and it takes time and it takes self-denial to pray. I I wonder sometimes, we hear preaching on revival many times, and I wonder about me personally, not about you, but about me, how how much do I really want what we would call a Holy Ghost sent, sin-killing, soul-saving, saints-edifying revival, amen. I mean, where where everybody says, that's God. That's not Ruckman. That's not Pastor Jet. That's not Esau. That's God, amen. How, How much do we really 
really want that. Oh, our flesh wants playtime, but I'm going to tell you, if we're going to have revival, we're going to have to have some pray time. We're going to have to have a lot of pray time. That's what, that's what I appreciate. And I want to encourage every man in this church, if you're not a part of the Sunday morning prayer meetings, amen, you ought to be here on Sunday morning. Listen, whenever the church gets together to pray, you ought to be here. If you're a Sunday morning Christian, you ought to, you ought to ask God for revival this morning and be here Wednesday night for prayer meeting, amen. amen. Because that is the meeting. Right here there's preaching going on, but the work gets done. The seed is planted. The seed is watered in the prayer time, Amen. Yes. And when we stand up and preach, we're just preaching off of the prayers of God's people. Amen. And expecting God to do great things in accordance with the prayers of God's people who have asked him for such things. And then in revival, it involves prayer. This isn't talked about a lot but in our culture, but revival involves fasting as well. I believe that. Self-denial involves fasting. Jesus, in the Bible, I just want to ask you the last time, when's the last time you fasted? And I'm not talking about a fast just so you can have a nice physique. Amen. I fast twice a week, Pastor, so... I'll go work out at the same time. I'm talking about fasting and praying. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. Amen. I was in an airplane in Ghana, and I was the only guy on this particular flight flying from our city to the capital, except for two other charismatic pastors. And these were big boys. Amen. Ghanaians suffer. Ghanaians struggle. They, they can't hardly make it from day to day. And these guys had big rings on every finger. I'm not making, I've, I've read about this. I heard a song years ago, would Jesus wear a Rolex on his television show? Amen. You know, I, you know but I actually see these guys, I mean, wearing all these rings. And I, I started listening to them and it was two pastors. And the guy said, I just come off a 40 day fast. And I'm telling you, I went, I thought, man, guys, probably, if he come off a 40 day fast, he's probably about to die. Amen. Man, he's sitting there. I'm like, hey, he may have fasted a day, but he sure didn't have a 40 night fast. Amen. Before today, but he was eating at night, amen. And the other guy's like, oh, that's nothing. Let me tell you, they're back there bragging about fasting. That's not what we're talking about, amen. We're not talking about that fasting to make us super spiritual, but just quietly, privately, between you and God. Your wife might find out about it, but nobody else, amen, because she makes meals for you half the time, amen. I'm saying just, just taking that time that you would eat and saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to miss a meal, I'm going to pray for my church. I'm going to pray for my neighbor that's not saved. I'm going to pray for that situation that we have in our family. I'm going to pray. Jesus, or Isaiah said, is not this the fast I've chosen? A fast that will break the bands, that will break the yoke of wickedness. You've got a sin problem. You've got to be set and wait in your own life. And you say, God, revive us again. I'll tell you, one of the ways of dealing with it, amen, is get on your knees before God, repent, amen, and start fasting and asking God to help you give victory over it. And every time you're tempted to do it, take that time to fast and pray, amen. Yes. God will help you break over it. I'm telling you, he will, all right? And so i got to move on here. I, I want to say this. Uh, when it comes to that self-denial, though, there's no glory in self-denial. And, and, and we have to say this because, because, you know, we talk about revival. A lot of time we think about, oh, man, such such place in a revival. And they bring the cameras and they bring the lights and they bring the show. That's not the kind of revival that God's interested in. Amen. God, there, there's no self-promotion. There's no self-glorification. Where, where there's revival in a life, in a family, in a church, God gets the glory. Amen. James Rutman doesn't get the glory. Esau Baptist doesn't get the glory. This group of men doesn't get the glory or that group of lady. God gets the glory. Amen. Amen. That's the kind of revival that I want our church to have. Amen. Where people look and say, man, look at, man, Christ is working in his church. Amen. So I'm just saying if, it's, if we're going to have a revival, we're gonna, there's going to have to be some self-denial in our lives. We're going to have to put away some of our things and our playthings and our pleasures. Amen. And we're going to have to get back on fire for God. Amen. But then watch this. Number three, revival is initiated by the Spirit of God. Notice, notice what he says. 
that this psalmist is praying for revival. He's saying, oh God, wilt thou not revive us? So you can see he's praying, but who put that in his heart to pray? Well, God did. And, and notice who he's asking to bring revival. Wilt thou not revive? Do you know when that person is laying there and they're dying and they can't get, maybe they've had a heart attack and the paramedic shows up, without outside help, that body will die. They, they need reviving. Somebody from the outside has got to step in. And, and the psalmist is realizing, I cannot do this. I see the spiritual decline around me, but I cannot do this in the power of my flesh. I see my family. I, I mean, they're not going a direction I'd want them to go. I can't change them in the power of my flesh. I see my church. And by the way, I'm just, these are illustrations because I do not see what I'm about to say. But I'm just saying in general, maybe there's an individual watching and you say, I see my church and it's going a direction that I don't want my church to go. And can I say, you, you can try to fight it all you want to, but unless God works and moves, amen, bad things are just going to continue to happen. He's praying. He's saying, God, we need you. God, will thou not revive us again? Lord, it's going to happen. I can't keep it alive. He can't keep it alive. They can't keep it alive. You need to step in here. Can I tell you? The Holy Ghost in the Bible, and I'm not a charismatic at all. Don't want you walking out of here thinking I am. Amen. But the Holy Ghost in the Bible in John chapter number 3 likened the work of the Spirit of God to the work of wind. He said, the wind bloweth where it listeth. Can I just tell you that God works where he chooses? I'm not a Calvinist either. I want to, I gotta, you got to make all these statements these days or somebody will take a little quote out of context. Amen. The, the wind bloweth where it listeth. God, God works where he chooses to work. Amen. Because he's God. Amen. And he said... And thou knowest not whence it cometh or whither it goeth. That's a when and a where. Can I tell you, I pray. There's situations in our life that I pray about. And, and, and as I come home and see my church, I mean, literally, I, I believe like I'm seeing my church getting on fire for God, amen. And it's causing me to get on my knees and say, Lord, keep fanning the flames, amen. Take those embers of love that have been planted in our hearts, amen. And keep, man, allow the Spirit of God to blow upon that, amen. God, I don't know when you're going to work and where, but may we be prepared, amen. May you work and move in our midst so that you might get the glory out of it. Not any of us, amen. It's all you, all right? Revival involves Self-denial, it's initiated by the Spirit of God. And, and, and that's really the spirit of the psalmist. Oh God, wilt thou not revive us again? Oh God, wilt thou not wake us out of spiritual slumber? Oh God, wilt thou not awaken our church and the saints of God to the multitudes around us right here in our own city who are dying and going to hell without God? Lord, would you awaken our eyes? Would you awaken our hearts? Would you wake us to the great need that we have in our own city for evangelism? And for mission work, right here in our own city. I mean, we're, I mean, God's doing work in Africa, and we're an extension of Eastside Baptist Church. But, man, can I say, let's continue to pray for God to work and move in our own city for his honor and his glory. Amen. You say, well, can I, can I cause it to happen? If I pray enough, if I fast enough, will we see 300 people get saved? Will we see all of a sudden, can I tell you, Pentecost, the charismatics would have us to believe that Pentecost was brought in by the prayers of those in the upper room. It's not true. Pentecost was brought in because that was a set time on God's calendar for the nation of Israel. And, God, and that was just a picture of what would happen when God started the church. Amen. Pentecost was a set time on God's calendar. And exactly what Pentecost typified occurred on the day of Pentecost. But having said that, the disciples were in the upper room and they were praying. When Pentecost came, it, we can... We can 
we can be doing what we're supposed to be doing. Amen. And hungering after God and praying for a move of God in our city. Amen. When God decides to work and move in our midst at that level. Amen. And then let me give you this and I'm done. Revival instills a spirit of rejoicing. It instills a spirit. I like this. He said, wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee. I came, I'm just telling you, I came back. I came to church Wednesday night. I came to church this morning. Man, people talking about the things of God all around me. I'm listening to you sing even without, the, even without our projector, amen. Listening to everybody sing, amen. The singing's, man, it's good. Fired me up this morning, amen. Listening to people talk about, listening to people laugh and, and, and just the, the joy of the Lord is in this place. I'm not being smart. I'm not being ugly. I, I promise I'm not. It hasn't always been at the level that it is now. I've been here as a member nine years that's not incredibly long, some of you much longer, but there have been times here where there was a, a spirit of criticism and there was a spirit of strife. And man, I, I and, and, and you say, Pastor, you're just in for a service. You have no idea. Just let me keep walking in my oblivion then. Amen. But man, coming in from the outside, if I was a lost visitor coming in, it was a warm place this morning to come to. And the joy of the Lord's in this place. Amen. You can tell where there's a spirit of revival. You can tell because there's a spirit of joy. There's not a spirit of nitpicking. There's not a spirit of unhealthy criticism, not a spirit of jealousy and envy. There's a spirit of love and there's a spirit of joy. And I want to encourage our church. Keep it up. Amen. Amen. My prayer for Eastside as I leave to go back to Africa is, Lord, keep reviving my home church. And I'm praying, Lord, keep reviving my heart and my family's heart, our work's heart. Amen. Amen. Wilt thou not revive us again? The Bible said, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongues with singing. I'm just telling you that joyful countenance and good singing goes along with the blessings of God. It just does. We just want to We just want to give God the glory. As our brother talked about in Sunday school this morning, we just want to ascribe glory to his name. Amen. Because truly he has been good to us. And so the, the nation, they were at a place where they were no longer under his chastisement and they had come through a spirit of rejoicing, but they were starting to slip back into spiritual decline and he's crying out, oh God, please bring revival, revive us, turn our hearts. You've turned us back to our land. Our land's been turned back to us, but now turn our hearts back to you. If there's anybody here this morning and you say, preacher, man, I believe that's what God wants me to do, turn my heart back to him this morning. I, I believe there's a, there's a need in my own life for a little reviving. There's a need in our church for a little reviving. I'm going to ask pastor to come, but I'm going to invite you to the altar, amen, by way of invitation, and just come down and talk to the Lord. Tell him what's on your heart, amen. Yes. Maybe you're not hungering and thirsting for him as you once did. Man, get back to that, amen. amen. I'm telling you, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, please take this message that's been preached this morning, and God, continue to work in my heart, work in my family's heart, God. And I pray you continue to work in our church, Lord. I'm so thankful for your church. I'm thankful for Eastside Baptist. I love this place. I love these people. Lord, I love this church. And I love you. And thank you, Lord God, for how you're working here. Please continue, Lord, reviving our hearts and reviving our church. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.